Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was our finest. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. Today we're going to talk about an interesting subject. It's about caloric restriction and intermittent fasting, which are kind of interesting ways to lose weight. Before we hop in, I think there's an important trigger warning. (laughs) I'm sorry, trigger warnings are funny to me. (laughs) I don't want to get into it. Sean, you should do the trigger warning. Shit, okay. People who suffer from eating disorders might want to skip this episode. We discuss the biology behind topics that relate to how much people eat, and that might be a negative thing for your mental health. If you're worried about it, you can skip this one. We have plenty of other episodes where we are offensive and stupid without being harmful to you. Since the dawn of time, organisms have sometimes not had enough food. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's called starving. (laughs) And not having food to eat, a.k.a. caloric restriction and intermittent fasting. And caloric restriction and intermittent fasting are all about how can we harness starving (laughs) to help us. Yeah, people are still starving all over the world, but in other parts we have too much food and we want to lose weight. Right, I mean, this is a famous thing, maybe even to the point of who gives a fuck. But, like, humans and all animals have historically had more problems with food scarcity than having too much food. We're kind of in this unique period where... In some parts of the world, <laughs> we have too much food because of the horrible distribution of wealth and status in human civilization. Yeah, all right, Bernie. So, <laughs> Bernie, um, Jimmy Coconuts! <laughs> in our aging episodes, we actually mentioned caloric restriction. A coconut in every garage! <laughs> Where we've you know, mentioned that there's some science suggesting caloric restriction can increase the lifespan of some animals. And there's some science to suggest that intermittent fasting makes you less fucking fat. <laughs> yeah, there's some pretty good science on that. So, you know, how does this stuff work in people? Can it give you that six-pack? Let's find out. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about caloric restriction first. And before we hop into any of these subjects, it's important to say that Sean is not a medical doctor. Luckily, I am. So <laughs> listen to me and not him. Yeah. Nathan has a medical MFA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Master of fine ass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a proctologist of, of screenwriting. Only fine proctology. I look um, into the anus of storytelling. Yeah, so at the top, Stacy always does our disclaimer about not being a medical advice, but this one has a lot of medically type shit. And it's so, not advice. Yes. It's just us... Fapping into the breeze. Well, it's just, if you decide you want to do any of this kind of shit, consult a doctor. Right. Find out, like, oh, hey, you're dangerously deficient on vitamins already. Don't eat less food. Eat the right kind of food. What is caloric restriction? Like, what does it mean? It's kind of in the name in that you're restricting how many calories you take in. 
by eating less food. That makes sense. Okay. Typically, this is by a not trivial amount, right? So, um, you know, if like your daily intake is supposed to be 2,000 calories, I'm not talking about eating one less spoonful of rice or something. My daily intake is like nine orders of orange chicken, and I don't <laughs> want you to tell me how many calories that is. <laughs> Uh, so in labs, when we do these kinds of experiments with animals, usually we're going from their kind of ad libitum diet where they get to eat as much as they want. <laughs> ad libitum. That sounds so sexual to me. It's because of libido, but you know. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, caloric restriction experiments usually reduce that amount from anywhere between 20% to 60% less food. Being hungry does make me hornier. Does it? No, actually, well, you know, you want a happy medium, right? I'm very Buddhist in that way. Buddha said, to get good orgasm, you must find the middle way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Keanu said that. I, well, Keanu definitely didn't. Buddha definitely <laughs> did. Keanu Reese is a pretty chill guy. Buddha was like the horniest fucking philosopher of all human history. That guy got so much pussy, it was insane. Somewhere in the world, there are militant Buddhists, and your name is on a list now. They're really busy with Rohingya right now, Sean. Oh my god. What? This gotta stop doing that! <laughs> okay, okay. I, you're right, hey, but like... Hey, of America is against Buddhists. What? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Let's keep going. Yes. Um... So imagine taking however much food you eat in the day and cutting that in half. No! (laughs) (laughs) And that's what caloric restriction might be like. Okay, cool. And now... Literally hell. (laughs) I'm imagining also pitchforks and demons. (laughs) So I'm only bringing that up in the context of like, caloric restriction is what we do a lot of experiments in animals in. So the literature is a lot more rich on caloric restriction. Intermittent fasting is in a certain sense the compromise solution for what humans might actually do. Right. Instead of caloric restriction. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So then that's why the rest of this episode really is about intermittent fasting. Right. So intermittent fasting is interesting. First, let's give a definition. Yes. So intermittent fasting means controlling what times you're eating. And that's basically the idea. And we already do that by sleeping. So we are all, in a way, already intermittent fasters. Unless you sleepwalk and eat like Tina Fey in 30 Rock. (laughs) Right. Working on my night cheese. (laughs) So look, (laughs) in a stricter sense, it's about going through prolonged periods without eating so that you kind of use up all of your glucose stores and start burning fatty acids. Think Christ. Always. (laughs) Because <laughs> he's in your life. You, you gotta make every episode about Christ. You son of a bitch. I mean, this, no, but it's interesting because intermittent fasting has been linked to metaphysical behaviors for the whole of human history, actually. Right. And actually, some of the intermittent fasting literature is actually on what's called Ramadan fasting. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. What heathens do. Oh, God. <laughs> Just kidding. Jesus. Ramadan's pretty cool. Stacey and I were in Indonesia for our honeymoon during Ramadan, and it was, like, fucking dope. Not enough alcohol, obviously, yeah. but pretty fun anyway. Oh, that's good. Most fun I've ever had not drunk. That's your naughty. <laughs> okay, look. Great sales. So, that- Amazing sales. Sean, we're not talking about... We're not talking about fasting, Sean. We're talking about Ramadan now. Why were there good sales during Ramadan? It's just like a holiday and it's like a month. And it's Uh, interesting because people aren't doing that much during the day. People are kind of sleepy. Oh, dude, there was this kid in track who beat all the track races except one race. And they're like, wow, we finally beat this guy from this other school. And the kid who's actually in track told his mom, he's like, no, it's it's Ramadan. (laughs) He's fasting during days. Wow. I could only beat him in Ramadan. <laughs> Man, as soon as Stacy's out of the room, you just go off the rails, huh? Ah! <laughs> All right, look. Intermittent fasting, there are, I would say, roughly three different kind of popular forms of this. Okay? So, form number one is called time-restricted intermittent fasting. 
And usually that means that there's this kind of time period where you are allowed to eat. Something like six to eight hours out of the day. Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, that's most people anyway. I mean, so I think... Like, like what's the time period? Like 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., for example. You're, you're fucking with my coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> so that means no late dinners, right? That means skipping breakfast. Or in the six-hour one, for example, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. And that's the only time that you get to eat. Well, now no, I'm not doing it because like 100% of my burrito consumption <laughs> is like at 2 a.m. <laughs> right, yeah. You've invited me to 2 a.m. burritos. And you came. <laughs> one time. Yeah, one, one time. time yeah. yeah, It's great. When you're in that time slot, you can eat until you're full. So it's not about trying to cut down on the number of calories during that time slot, but you do have a tendency to end up not making up for all of the calories that you're missing. That's interesting. Okay. So just naturally, one of the reasons this might work for people who are looking for a more moderate diet is that just by being stricter with your time, you're not going to eat the random hot pocket at 9 p.m. Right. Yes. So there's another form called alternate day fasting. And so that means that you eat normally on one day, whatever time you want, however much you want. And then on the next day, you eat almost nothing. And then the following day, you eat whatever you want and so on and so forth, right? So you alternate the days. Disgusting. Sean, I don't know what any of this calorie mumbo jumbo means. How much Panda Express can I eat? (laughs) Okay, so on these fasting days, right? The ones in between the days where you get to eat whatever you want, all the Panda you want. Okay. Oh, on the that's actual too much panda. <laughs> on... <laughs> I'm gonna die in a week, <laughs> or, or all the pandas will yeah, die. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, completely dude. extinct. Um, <laughs> oh man, coronavirus. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> With a Wuhan pandas. Uh oh. So on the actual fasting days, you know, you're supposed to be drinking water and everything like that. But in some kind of formulations of this process, you can have some calories during that day to kind of tide you over. Okay, okay. Well, what do you mean by some? That sounds like a tricky turn to me. Something like less than 500 calories. Okay. Preferably much less than 500 calories. Okay, that's still like a few servings of orange chicken, right? <laughs> that's like one serving of orange chicken what? is the maximum you can eat that entire day. The entire day? Yes. So that's like one little piece of chicken. Over, like, two per hour. Yeah, something like that. Fuck! Yeah, dude. Well, you're supposed to be hungry that day. That's the point of those days. What? The fasting days, you're hungry. No, but what Buddha realized as he was on the river was that this asceticism actually leads you also towards hedonism, and you have to find the middle way. Well, that's why it's alternate day fasting. Is you average out to the middle. (laughs) That's what what Buddha used to do. Buddha used to eat three and then no the next day. You can't do but this. But then what he realized <laughs> was that instead you need to have one every day. There's entire human beings that are going to be mad at you. Oh, you mean like incels? They don't listen to us, Sean. We drip with too much sexuality. Oh we God. make incels nervous. Wow. You, you make me nervous. Like <laughs> That's because you're an incel. We're not going to be able to do any of that. <laughs> I'm a voluntary celibate. Yeah, you're um, a mole cell. So, Isn't that a type of mole? That's a vole. <laughs> Vosel does sound like something though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it, okay. sounds, it sounds like something goes. All right, all right, everybody. Back on topic. There is another option. Okay. okay? There's okay. another option that's called five-two fasting. Mm. Five-two fasting means that you pick two days out of the week to fast, and then the rest of the days you're normal. Again, you're just swimming in that orange chicken. Okay. I have a friend who's doing a three-day water fast where she doesn't drink water for three days. Stupid. That's a bad idea, huh? It's terrible. Okay. You need water. See, I, well, that's what I said. 
Yeah. But, you know, I'm not a scientist. You die from water deprivation much faster than you die from food deprivation. Right. That was much, much faster. It's not, it's not even close. That's what I thought as well. Three days is like pushing it as far as like what the human body on average like lives through. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> anyway, that's dumb. Hey, everybody. This is not a medical advice podcast, but I can tell you to drink water. That's for goddamn sure. What is it, Sean? You can't, you can't get medical advice. That's barely even medical advice. <laughs> Those are just true words. Your mother should have told you. <laughs> yeah, drink some fucking water. Anyway, look. 5-2 fasting, you pick two days to fast, and then the other five days, you get to just chill out, eat all the panda. Okay, and on those two days, again, you know, how hard you fast is kind of up to you. If you're going full, legit fasting, then you're not eating at all during those two days. Okay. But... You know, it's a process, so you don't need to jump straight to eating nothing on those two days. Right. You can kind of taper it down. But all these fasting options, right? It's not like the calorie restriction is not the only goal here. You still need to eat veggies. You still need to eat stupid shit. It's not like, you know, <laughs> hey, only 500 calories. I'll just eat one Hot Pocket. It's like, no, bro. You got to eat a rounded 500 calories. Right, unless it's one of those fortified Hot Pockets, you know? Dude, a fortified Hot Pocket sounds like a really weird term for a Scottish castle to me. <laughs> like it's a fold of a hot pocket or like, <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, or like enriched you know like enriched yellow cake yeah isn't that what like <laughs> yeah. isn't that an iranian dessert or something yeah. <laughs> that's what you need for a bomb but also <laughs> enriched yellow cake you know donald trump thinks that's just like <laughs> <laughs> what is up with you and pussy today enriched yellow cake you've been non-stop with that i have not i've only said it six times you gotta pick a different one. Okay, so Sean, much like Mike Bloomberg, has successfully argued to me that, you know, we should do intermittent fasting. What? Let me take a step back. So Sean, <laughs> like Mike Bloomberg, has successfully argued to me that intermittent fasting is a thing. But Sean, why would I do intermittent fasting? I need you to persuade me. Right. What does it do? Great question, Nathan. I'm glad that you're looking at the notes that I wrote. <laughs> but let's take a break first and then we can get into it. The following is an actual advertisement. We're a podcast about two parents and their kid going on a quest for good shows. No, we're a podcast about two parents who are trapped in their own living room and we have to endure time and space. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Rich. I'm Natalie. And this is Not Suitable for Adults. Take 30 or 40 minutes out of your day to listen to us speak calmly and wisely to you about the best and the worst of kids' TV shows today. And movies. And movies. So join us as we sit in our living room and talk about the things we don't want to watch. And some things we do want to watch. Yeah, it's not all bad. Some of it's good. Some of it. Bye. Bye. So guys, welcome back to Petri Dish. We've established that there is technically a thing called intermittent fasting. <laughs> what we have not established is why you would subject yourself to something this shitty. So so, it took 20 minutes for us to establish that intermittent fasting exists. Is that what you're telling me? I don't know. That's like not just my fault. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Why do it? For starters, I think one of the reasons why people get into it at all is just weight loss. Sure. Weight is the big thing people do for diets. Is this actually better than any other system of weight loss? Like what about keto, Sean? 
Someday we're going to talk about keto more specifically. And I Keto's will say, like your white whale. I know. Every episode you're like, someday we'll talk about keto. I just, ah, uh, man. Keto any, makes any, you so mad. Well, it's just any specific diet, right? Where like, where the idea behind the diet is you're explicitly choosing certain things to eat or not eat. Sounds like bullshit. That always makes me really nervous. But the problem is that keto actually has a little bit more science behind it than other ones. Yes. Whereas and other diets you can just throw off offhand. The other thing I'll say is that keto has a lot of sort of a intersectionality with intermittent fasting. In that the pathways they seem to be kind of hitting in your body, they sort of match each other pretty well. Right. In that intermittent fasting and caloric restriction set off the sort of breakdown of fatty acids and creation of these ketone bodies, which is where the keto diet gets its name from. Stop getting off subject, you cad. All right, okay, fine. Tell me about weight loss. So look, alternate day fasting and the 5-2 intermittent fasting lead to about as much weight loss as caloric restriction. Okay. So that means picking two days out of the week to fast and just not eat anything then is about as good as eating half the calories every single day or so. Uh, and for some people, that might be easier to pull off psychologically. Right. Is just have some days where you get to eat whatever you want, and then some days where you eat, like, fucking nothing. Right. That kind of, uh, you know, All min, or nothing. maxing. That kind of monachian diet. Right. For some people, it's just easier to do. So we're talking about the amount from studies that have been done. is like 1% to 2% of your body weight being lost in around three weeks or so. Okay. Which, for a 200-pound person, would be like 2 to 4 pounds. What about for someone who's 215 pounds? <laughs> Just kinda, kidding. That's kind of specific. Let's What's move going on. on? Let's move on. <laughs> the thing about it is that a lot of these studies haven't been done in a super controlled way for much longer periods of time. So there's right. a lot of anecdotal evidence where people have been on intermittent fasting I've diets. seen no ads. You know, they're like, wow, I lost so much weight thanks to fasting. And another thing that's hard to control for is physical activity. Mm. Okay, because definitely, you know, we know that physical activity can cause weight loss. And so to what extent these people are sedentary or not when they're going into the intermittent fasting, do they change their lifestyle at all? But these studies were mostly on normal-ish weight people, not like obese people. And so there are some anecdotal tales out there of people who weigh much more, losing a lot more weight after going on okay. intermittent fasting. Well, are we losing fat? Are we losing muscle? We're losing brain cells? What are we losing? So currently there is not evidence that intermittent fasting results in a loss of what's called lean weight right. or muscle mass. So basically, I wouldn't say that it's super conclusive that you don't lose any muscle mass. Right. Studies need to be longer and they need to look more carefully at that. But you can see bigger or smaller drops in weight based on the person most of the strong effects of this weight loss are usually for alternate day or the 5-2 fasting not the kind of fasting that i think is the most common for people to think about which is the periods of time during the day that you don't eat kind of fasting okay like, like 16 8 or something which means 16 hours of fasting and eight hours where you're allowed to eat okay so that one, there's kind of so there's the less weirdo data. ones are better, right? The kind of what are a little the, bit more extreme, I think, sounding right. Where okay. like because alternate day fasting means every other day, you're like not eating shit. Okay, right. So maybe there's a weight reason to be doing this stuff. Right. Is that it? Well, there are other reasons. So basically, one of the other reasons has to do with your metabolism. Okay. What is metabolism? 
Well, your cells are always kind of burning energy. All I ever knew was that guys who were much fitter and taller than me in middle school be like, yeah, I just got a fast metabolism. And I'll be like, I don't like him. I don't like metabolism, apparently. Right? So we're warm-blooded, and we're also alive. Well, I'm warm-blooded. What? <laughs> You're a little cold-blooded. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's you, true. you mean like attitude-wise. Yeah, Sean spent like four hours the other day trying to convince me that he was. Sean was like, I'm a cold-blooded reptile. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, finally he took off his head, and it was a lizard underneath, and I was like, yes. okay, fine. Was that convincing? Yeah, that got me. Okay. Dinosaurs might have been warm-blooded, though. Like all of them, or just some of them? I don't know. That's fucked up. <laughs> anyway. Ah, oh, shit, man. Wow. So off topic. You are off topic. This is your fault. Um, look, your cells are using energy. That's just by virtue of being alive. The process of being alive means that they're burning energy. And so there's this basal, which means base. Except vampires. Uh, um, okay. okay, so your body, the metabolism is just you burning energy to be alive. Right. To be alive and then also to affect homeostasis, which means just keeping things running, right? And right. having the same body temperature and everything right. like that. So you're always burning energy and the two main forms of energy that your body uses to create stuff like ATP, which I think in high school biology they really drive home that that's like, you know, the, the energy, energy currency of the cell, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Right? So ATP is not the only energy currency, but that doesn't matter. What? Basically, to make ATP, the two main things that we burn are glucose and fatty acids. Okay. And we like burning glucose much more. What's the difference between fatty acids and fat? So, fatty acids get attached on to things like glycerol. And then they form these larger molecules. Okay. Uh, and then usually when people are talking about fat, they're talking about collections of those molecules... Within fat cells, honestly, okay. is usually what people think of as okay. fat. But we don't even like them. We don't like fatty acids. We like sexy, sexy glucose. Right. We prefer Sugar. to burn glucose. And a lot of times, especially nowadays in modern society, it hasn't been that long since our last meal. So we still have glucose floating around. Right. That we consumed in our meal and it got broken down from starch or whatever. So we have this kind of resting level of glucose that's running around. And your pancreas, it's like, yo, there's too much fucking glucose, if there's too much glucose. And then your liver's like, oh, fuck, and it tries to make less glucose. Right. In your pancreas, there are these cells called beta cells. Right. All the alpha cells, they went to the brain. There actually, there actually <laughs> are alpha cells in your pancreas. Anyway, well, I don't, I don't want to get into it. So beta cells are Osmosis always- Osmosis Jones, 22. <laughs> beta Jones. <laughs> Who would play Beta Jones? Beta Jones? I mean, they're they're both Will Smith. It's just one of them is like aged down Will Smith and aged uh, up Will Smith. Oh, okay. Because we don't need to hire new actors for things anymore. We can just use uh, not hallucinogenic. I thought it was going to be like Michael Sarah or something like that. Okay, no, I got that's you. good. Um, anyway. Stacey's giving me the expand this idea sign. <laughs> <laughs> Beta cells are always watching your glucose levels. And when they're high, they start squeezing out insulin. And then insulin goes... <laughs> Just when I'm high, I start shitting. <laughs> just made me think of that. Insulin goes to your liver. Your liver detects it and then turns off the glucose factory. So it stops making new glucose. And it starts Damn. storing glucose Damn. as something called glycogen. Damn, dude. And then six years later, China buys that factory. Okay, but the American workers are not used to the Chinese corporate climate. <laughs> your liver is laid off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michael Morris is like, protesting outside my liver. When glucose levels in your blood drops... 
like for example, if you've been fasting for a while, then your beta cells will reduce your insulin levels and alpha cells will start kicking in. Cool. And they'll up the levels of something called glucagon, which is sort of like a mirror a hero universe. from the 80s. It's like mirror <laughs> stuff. <laughs> glucagon, the warrior. <laughs> Cut. So you're saying mirror, mirror, universe, yeah, uh, cats of insulin. Oh, of insulin. So basically, it's kind of like the opposite of insulin. It tells ah. the liver to start making glucose and start breaking down glycogen. That makes sense because glucagon was also one of the sons of Venus, <laughs> who was almost saved by her, but then was speared over the left nipple by Achilles. <laughs> if you're gonna make this shit up, at least say the word correctly. Okay, glucagon. Glucagon. There we go. All right. And then the dust swirled in glucagon's eyes <laughs> as death took him. Fuck. Okay. So <laughs> glucagon also tells your fat cells to start breaking down the fats into free fatty acids and glycerol. Legit. And the glycerol can be used by the liver to make more glucose, but the free fatty acids can be used by the liver to make what are called ketone bodies. Cool. Okay, which are eventually turned into something that may sound familiar to a couple of nerds, but it's acetyl-coenzyme A. And acetyl-coenzyme A, it's part of the Krebs cycle. Okay, cool. And the Krebs cycle is part of... Uh, biology class. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's in between... I never thought I'd hear the Krebs cycle again. <laughs> it's in between glycolysis and the electron transport chain. Cool. Anyway. You know, ketone bodies was a really, really, really good soul cycle adjunct in Brentwood <laughs> that I went to. I'm pretty sure. I mean, honestly, ketone bodies just sounds like some advocacy group for the keto diet. Yeah, that's true. Um, but in any case... This is where the keto diet kind of ties into this, is the generation of ketone bodies. So ketone body levels in your blood are usually pretty low if you're just living life and eating whenever you want, right? Because you have your glucose. You don't need these ketone bodies. You don't need it. But ketone bodies start going up about 8 to 16 hours after you start fasting. Okay. okay? So basically, once you're done with the meal, 8 to 16 hours later, that's when you start to see these ketone bodies going up. And then they max out at about two days. Sweet. Now, usually we have meals before eight hours goes by, right? Like, if you think about, like, when you space out your meals, you're not usually waiting eight hours before you eat another one. And definitely not 16 hours, right? So in modern life, we pretty much never hit this point where the ketone bodies are starting to elevate really high, right? Right. And that's where the fasting comes in, okay? And, you know, these ketone bodies... If anybody out there is like Googling these because they're interested, one of the main ones in humans is beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB. BHB. Yep. And uh, these ketone bodies, aside from just being used for energy, they also do signaling shit. And so in the epigenetics episode, I kind of mentioned histones. Okay. Histones are little protein dudes that DNA is wrapped around and you can wrap them more tightly or more loosely depending on if you want the DNA to get red, all this shit. And ketone bodies can affect that. The keto diet changes the way your DNA is even structured. It affects you epigenetically. Yes. Woo! Damn. That's crazy. Uh, And so all of this, that's tied in to intermittent fasting. Because if you fast for long enough, you'll see these ketone bodies go up in your bloodstream. Okay. So intermittent fasting is going to change your weight. Like maybe. It's going (laughs) to change your metabolism. Yes. All right. Now I got something here in the notes called adipose browning. Yes. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. The browning of America. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, that's where we went. Okay. <laughs> Look, there well, are... Santa Monica fascists right here. <laughs> no, in a good way. Oh, oh, okay. I, that's beautiful. We're halfies. That's true, but we're half Asian. That's like basically just... We're like white people one generation removed. They didn't have to know that. 
<laughs> the audience didn't have to know. We have something. Anyway. So okay. adipose browning, what is it? Yes. There is more or less three kinds of fat cell. Okay. And we talked mm. about this a little bit in our aging episode really briefly. Mm. Uh, do you remember what they were? Yeah. It's North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. <laughs> That's where we throw all the fat people. Oh, man. Uh, you can scratch those uh, states off the list for when we do our live shows. We have more <laughs> We have more listeners in India than North Dakota. That's true. And Singapore. And Singapore. Whoever, if you're a Singa- Singaporean. Yeah. It's actually it? pronounced Singaporean. Ooh, why are you doing that? <laughs> well, we just lost those listeners. All right. <laughs> Look, so, do, but do you seriously not remember what the three kinds of fat cell are? No, you need to tell me. There's white fat cells. Cool. There's brown fat cells. And then there's these fat cells that are really new called beige fat cells. Okay. And so the ones that we typically shit on all the time are white fat cells. Okay. They're the ones for like energy storage. Right. They're like long-term batteries. That's where we keep the shit. And we don't like that because we don't really ever need to store things long-term anymore. So it just accumulates. Right. And so when people are talking about like, Belly they fat. got a beer belly or something yeah. like that. Then what they're talking about That's is like crack fat, big ass deposits of white Dude, fat cells. Crack fat is a great restaurant name. <laughs> and I keep going. Don't let me slow you down. Yeah, right. Crack fat. Aside from also being these like Amazon storehouses, these warehouses for energy, a fat, <laughs> a fat. <laughs> I like to see that in commercial. White fat cells are also important signaling centers. Okay. Okay. They actually convert and release hormones like testosterone and estrogen. So fat guys are so mad. (laughs) Well, it's why people who are obese can have really drastic changes to their sex hormone levels. Oh, interesting. Like women who are obese can see their levels of estrogen really drastically change Mm -hmm. as they gain or lose weight. That's why fat women are famously horny. Is, is that true? No, not at all. Okay. Don't let me slow you down. God damn it. Along with peptide hormones. So not just the sex hormones, but also peptide hormones like leptin. Leptin is the hormone that helps inhibit hunger. It's kind of this hormone that can help inform you that you're full. All right. That's interesting. So getting fat actually fucks up more your even sense of fullness or not fullness. Right, exactly. Gaining weight. Excuse me. Yes. I just don't want to talk about the fat fucks that make them upset. Well, it's just the... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, the, just kidding. the increase in white fat levels in your body also results in a little bit of potential dysbiosis in all of these hormones. Messing I don't know up, what the fuck dysbiosis means. It's a mess up of the sort of um, baseline levels. Boy, you went from high to low culture real fast yeah. with that definition. Sorry. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, well, what about these brown fat cells, though? What the shit is that? So brown fat cells are something that we thought were mostly just in animals that hibernate. Brown okay? bears. That's why they're named that, because of all their brown fat. A lot of kinds of bears. But the idea is that these fat cells are actually more about burning energy to create heat. So they're actually actively burning up energy to keep the bodies warm while, the, for example, bears are hibernating. So that's why we so commonly associate with hibernation, but it's not only hibernating animals that have them. Right. So it turns out that babies have a pretty good amount of brown fat because they actually lose heat really easily. And they can't just be shivering all the time. So they actually have these brown fat stores to help keep their body temperature regulated. But we only have it as babies. So then even more recently, we found out that adults also have it. It's just not as easy to find. They're in really localized locations. Like we have a little bit in like our neck, for example. We don't want our neck to shiver. Uh, I think we want to keep the body temperature warm on the way up to the brain. Okay. 
but the patches are much smaller. The amount of brown fat that we have is much smaller than we have as like babies and compared to like bears and shit. Okay, so we got a lot of white fat if you're me. You got a little bit of brown fat. Uh, you ain't tell me there's like yellow fat or something? <laughs> what's, what's this other pink fat? Right, so beige fat ah. is this in-between color, right? Oh. Because people have found that if you look at a bunch of white fat, every once in a while you'll see a couple of cells in there that are doing the brown fat thing. Whoa, and brown fat burns heat, right? So if you have some brown fat in your white fat, Woo, you're making that beige fat. Woo, you burn that. You burn that fat. Right. That maybe these brown fat cells, or what they're called beige fat because they're sitting in a sea of white, these guys might burn a lot of energy. Yeah. Without really having to do much else. So what if we could convert white fat into these beige fat cells? Mm. Right? What if we could turn them that way so that instead of being storehouses of energy, they actually go all the way on the other side and they're burning energy right for us. if we could safely inject people with brown food coloring but, <laughs> but only so much that it makes it beige we could just make revolutionaries diet i'm trying to think if i've ever seen brown food coloring wait so why does this have anything to do with intermittent fasting though yes. it just sounds like some food coloring you just do this well so because these types of fat cells do really different jobs really different the difference between storing energy and burning energy is very different we're not entirely sure what it takes to turn a white fat cell into a kind of more brown-like fat cell. I mean, like 60 years of demographic change after the 1965 Immigration <laughs> Act. So so one of the things that we know is that, for example, it seems like moving to some place with cold weather that's cold all the time helps transition some of your white fat into brown fat. Oh my God, fat. genius. So we just move all fat people to like Minnesota <laughs> for like a few years? <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't that your pitch with, like, the Dakotas and Montana? It wasn't on purpose. I just thought that was a good policy. I didn't but, know it had such good scientific basis. So that's frustrating as shit. What we would rather, as Americans, is just be able to take a pill or something and turn white fat into brown fat. I think if we pitched it in a weird capitalist way, we could convince people to be like, go visit Diet Dakota and lose weight. And then people are just suckers and would just do it. Maybe. But what scientists have found is if you take mice... And you put them on an intermittent fasting situation. Ah, that shit happens. Their gut microbiome changes. Whoa. And then their gut microbiome secretes shit that helps turn white fat into this beige fat. Okay. So we've shown that it can work in mice. Yes. Have Silicon Valley people started to inject mice gut microbiome into their belly now? Not yet, but they could probably just eat whole mice. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk does. <laughs> just between, like, pitches from ugly-looking Tesla vehicles, he goes, just eats a whole mouse. Just starve some mice <laughs> yeah. so that their gut microbiome changes, yeah. and then just eat them whole. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, we're going to take a break, because we're going to move away from some of these weight-related issues. We're going to get to really crazy fuck medical issues. Can fasting get you a better immune system and closer to God? <laughs> Stay tuned and find out. Jesus. Hi guys, this is Donatello Iglesias. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's the fourth year of the Trump era, and you, you, you thought things were going to be calm by now. You thought you'd be inoculated from the random missile attack on foreign generals, the millions laundered from taxpayer coffers, the, all the gun rallies in Virginia, the, the constant tweets in your brain as you sleep, just tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and... <laughs> guys, stop dieting. Stop Peloton biking. Stop microdosing on LSD. None of that works. You need to see a good old-fashioned therapist. And I don't mean one of those talking therapists because we also know that that doesn't really work. What you need is massage therapy. 
And luckily for you, if you sign up to our Petri Dish Patreon, we can provide you the best massage available in the whole world of science. That's right, Sean David Allen, a very stable individual with very strong hands. So if you're a naive liberal like me, wandering through the world like a newborn baby cuck, tortured at night and lost in the day, get some unlicensed, uncertified massage therapy from Sean with Petri Dish. Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish. We were talking about fasting. And Sean had mentioned earlier this really swole Jersey compound called BHP. Mm-hmm. We're coming back to some BHP for our immune system. Sean, how can fasting help cure us of BHP? Yeah. <laughs> what? Let's rephrase. <laughs> yeah. Sean, explain to me science. <laughs> BHB was the ketone body I mentioned. Ah. Just minutes ke- ago. Ketone! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, so there's this protein that can detect BHB and then send signals into the cell that has this protein on its surface. It's called mm. HCAR2. Hecario2. <laughs> and Day of the Soldado. <laughs> Goddamn. And immune cells with HCAR2 can detect this BHB, and then they usually become anti-inflammatory and can help reduce inflammation in different areas in the oh, body. Oh, shit. So we do some fasting, and we could start to cut down some of our inflammation. Yes. Your heart too much? Do some minimum fasting, your dick goes soft. Wait, are you, are you equating inflammation with hard dick? I know that other things can get inflamed. <laughs> That's All just right. what I most associate well, so with. So here, it. look. There are a lot of inflammatory issues that you can have all over your body. Right. right? Inflammation the, can cause... The heart, the fingers... Not just the penis. Well, I'm thinking like joints also, right? Like arthritis and shit like that. And you can... Basically, oh. basically any itis... Any itis? <laughs> Any itis is an inflammatory issue. Dude, you're just trying to get me to pop off saying things like itis in front of me. <laughs> like hepatitis. Hepatitis? Is an inflammatory Nepatitis? Yeah, so Ooh. this BHB seems like it can be anti-inflammatory. Okay. All right. And one thing is that people who have gained a lot of weight or people who are obese typically have chronic inflammatory issues. Okay. And so it's possible that actually losing that weight might not only help alleviate... Or just kind of remove that part of the problem, but the extra BHB might make it extra anti-inflammatory. I mean, this is why Santa's so fucking fat and all red-faced and shit, and like has a hard time getting his sleighs now. Yeah. Right, all these things are linked. Yes. It's the mind-body Santa connection. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, he thinks he's fat, and thus becomes fat. There's this one study that demonstrated a reduction in asthma through intermittent fasting, which included a reduced kind of inflammatory cytokine levels in the blood. And there's other inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, BDNF, and these seem to go down with intermittent fasting. One of the areas that we didn't really focus on a couple minutes ago, but you can have inflammation kind of around your neurons and shit. And that process might exacerbate some of the neurological issues we see with aging. Does that mean if your neurons are inflamed, do you forget long division? I'm just trying to look for symptoms. You're trying to tie things together. (laughs) Why am I so bad at that now? I just remember in eighth grade, I was like, God, my neurons feel inflamed. And like the next day, I forgot algebra. You're like, fractions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck is this shit? Four, line four. So (laughs) mice with a disease similar to multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease of neurons and, you know, this kind of inflammation process. Intermittent fasting reduced the progression of the disease. It kind of slowed down how quickly they got multiple sclerosis. And early human trials for MS, uh, intermittent fasting doesn't seem to make things worse and might reduce frequency of symptoms. Okay. Trials are still going. So jury's still out about humans. 
Yes. As with most of these things, realistically. Right, but we're working on it because... It's There's promising. mouse evidence. It's that, mouse evidence. Yeah. Mouse evidence should be your album that you do with gorillas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to drop that sucker. Woo. I like modest mouse. Modest mouse evidence. Mouse evidence. <laughs> <laughs> modest mouse evidence is actually, I think, the whole thing. So intermittent fasting might be able to reduce rheumatoid arthritis or something like that. And it might not just calm down the immune system. It might be a little bit more complicated than that because there's, for example... They've done these studies where mice have been on intermittent fasting, and then they've injected these things called adjuvants that mimic viruses. And when they did that, it actually sets off a bigger immune response than when the mice are just kind of fed normally. So whether that's a good or bad thing, I mean, it actually kind of depends on the situation. Okay. It might mean that it primes your immune system to be very active once a virus shows up. Maybe it makes your immune system more responsive to vaccines or something. So you generate memory better. Okay. Or it might be kind of this more complicated, nuanced situation we need to do way more studies on, which is why I kind of lean on it. So intermittent fasting, good for mice immune systems. Yeah. We don't know for humans, but maybe good. I will say that I'm not so sure about intermittent fasting, but weight loss in general is definitely very good for the immune system. I mean, doesn't weight loss kind of have like a positive effect on basically everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wait, why are we doing this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Because intermittent fasting psychologically might be an easy way for people or an easier way for people because again it's so yeah yes in in the way that it kind of has these like straightforward and relatively maximalist rules okay well how about stress resistance yes so what what even is that i don't actually know what that is you mean like how much your body can hold or like you can (laughs) resist emotional stress so there's lots of different forms of stress that can go on in your body Physiological stress, which I will say is tied to emotional stress. Right. We kind of set those up as like two separate things. Right. The mind-body distinction is meaningless because your mind operates on a biological level. Right. Exactly. Right. And so there is that level of stress. And then there's also within your cell dealing with things like misfolding proteins, temperatures that are going up or down. But what if the mind and soul are really metaphysical and have no relationship to the physical body? (laughs) <laughs> i just slapped Sean. yeah you just slapped me that Which was just funny because i should have been slapped. yeah yeah you deserved it but intermittent fasting increases levels of a protein called sirtuin 3 and sirtuin 3 she is a lady that does a whole bunch of stuff ah okay it's very complicated and convoluted so maybe at some point we'll do a whole episode about what stress means on a cellular level sirtuin would be a human because like doing like undoing was a common expression you're doing Tolkien at me right now? I think. I didn't read <laughs> enough of it. Sirtuin can help maintain DNA stability. It can help the cell start prepping with like survivalist gear because it thinks hard times are coming. Okay. And so it can prepare the cell for that instead of telling the cell to just like quit now. Right. It's like if a disaster's coming in, you know how like some people in stories would be like, well, it's the end. Like we got to end things. And right. other people will kind of hunker down. Right. This is like the, the Susan Sarandon. No, wrong person. Bird Box. Who's in Bird Box? Who's that blind hoe? Blindside. Famous actress. Oh, my God. Who's that lady? Give, give me another movie. Ah, oh, fuck. Just Pretty Women. Miss Congeniality. Drive. Yeah, yeah. Julia Roberts. No! no. <laughs> <laughs> but similar era, of course. Wait, you said Miss Congeniality? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, 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 oh. What's her face? You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, what's her face? I like her a lot. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Okay, so it's like Sandra Bullock in Bird Box is some people freak out when there's a big monster. 
I didn't say road box. It's like Sandra Bullock and Bird Box. Some people have this freaked out attitude towards monsters being out there, and Sandra Bullock's like, put on the blindfold, shut the fuck up, and save the kids, and put the bird in the box. Yes, Sandra Bullock is her two and three, okay? Uh, in that she's like, let's hunker down. That's such a great it. poster. <laughs> Sandra Bullock is Sir Two and Three. <laughs> and so part of this stress response is maybe not actually that hard to understand, okay? Because it's like, hey, all of a sudden there's less food in your body. There's less energy going around and some of the cells are going to be like, hey, you know what? Like, we might be in for let's hard times. Let's commit suicide. <laughs> oh, wait, no, the opposite. Let's right. hunker. Let's hunker down. Let's get ready for kind of this lengthy sort of situation with that. That sounds food. like a great Lars von Trier Osmosis Jones 27. Is like some of the cells commit suicide. Some of the cells look at their family photos and slowly lither away. Yeah, well, these ones, they become battle hardened. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's not a Lars von Trier movie, though. No, it's not. <laughs> um, okay, so aside from stress response, there's also maybe anti-aging implications. That Wait, we- what? Yeah. This can stop aging? Well, we already talked about this in the aging episode. Oh, shit. Yeah, you dumb hooker. I was drunk. You don't remember this? (laughs) Anyway, one of the ways is that intermittent fasting seems to activate what's called autophagy. We talked about this a little bit. Autophagy is where inside your cells, they turn on sort of like their recycling program. They start breaking up old proteins and organelles. The the cell fagocytes itself. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, And in that process, you might actually see cognitive benefits. So your brain starts eating itself. (laughs) Cells in your brain start breaking down shittier proteins, shittier organelles. It wasn't meant as a pejorative. My brain is eating itself, and I'm much happier now. (laughs) But it might also be breaking down things like the plaques that are implicated in Alzheimer's disease. This is why you need a brain brush. You got to break down that plaque. Yeah, get in there. Scrub around a little bit. What's that that one that... um... A lobotomy? I I don't know. That's just why your hand... The the, the toothbrush that's really popular right now that's... uh... The fancy one. That... Ah, yeah. Um, an Electrobuzz. I have one of them. I don't know why I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, it's an Electrobuzz. It's not. It's named after the Pokemon. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Sorry. That's like... Damn. That, that derailed me so hard. You're so off why. subject. I don't know why. Anyway. Intermittent fasting also seems to help with neuroplasticity. That means it might increase the ability for your neurons to form new connections. Right. This is why smarter people have flexible brains. Like little kids. Like... Whoop! <laughs> like they actually make Plato out of the really smartest people in. Oh, that's where Plato comes from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. Why? Because uh, they're just poor How enough come... to sell the kids. You keep picking on. The <laughs> Have you noticed that? Uh, well, now we can bleep it. All right, good. And intermittent fasting actually reduced anxiety and improved memory in mice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So again, we're kind of at the preliminary point where we've studied mice. We have to figure out a way to develop a trial for humans. Yeah, well, in some cases, the trials are happening in, like, people at risk for Alzheimer's disease and stuff like that, seeing if it can prevent... That feels like somehow a human rights violation. It's like someone who doesn't know who they are anymore, and you're like, you don't get to eat! (laughs) And, like, how are they going to say no? The people sign the papers before they lose everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but aren't they, like, it's ship of Theseus problem where, like, now they're basically Uh, a different person, right? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's not for legally. the philosophers. Yeah, well, it's not for the capitalists. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the philosophers are the ones with the most Alzheimer's. <laughs> I don't know why. It just feels that yeah, way. Why do you think that? I don't know. It just feels like, you know, they're fucking idiots, right? So it's like, <laughs> Holy shit. Just wow. kidding. I love philosophers. Coming out I knew a lot of philosophy majors who are now like the best baristas in town. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, cancer, heart disease. I think that these are kind of the controversial question mark ideas with intermittent fasting. How are the other ones not question marks? They're all just on a mice. 
uh, we got increasingly question marky. It's just okay. For- oh, I see. So, so we actually we got to maximum question mark now. Right, and I you see. know, along the way, things like oh, it might help stave off Alzheimer's or something is kind of like. That's like one level of like what you would prescribe intermittent fasting for. But if you told somebody with cancer, like, it might cure your cancer. That's a whole other level of like potentially irresponsible, right? I guess so. Can When we talked about intermittent fasting and Alzheimer's, I actually assumed what you meant was that like there is some sort of potential correlation between like if you live your life with intermittent fasting, maybe you're less likely to get Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, is it actually more irresponsible to say maybe you'll have a smaller chance of cancer? I mean, that's still kind of amorphous, right? So the question is whether intermittent fasting actually can help fight cancer you have. Like while you have it? Yes. (laughs) What? Yes. That's the controversial part. That's some goop-ass shit. Right, and so let or maybe me, it's not. Let me explain why the idea ever came up in the first place. So on one hand, cancer cells love glucose. They love glucose. Right, because they're growing really fast. They want right. extra energy. And in fact, with the metabolism inside the cells is geared pretty heavily to focus on just chewing up as much glucose as they can. Like that they actually, a lot of cancer cells end up tailoring their metabolism to focus on glucose and that's actually one of the ways that we can detect where cancers are is we can put radioactive glucose inside of people and then the cancer cells eat it up so much more than the rest of your cells you can actually find the cancer cells that way now hypothetically intermittent fasting should lower glucose if we're starving the whole body of glucose that would hurt the cancer cells more than the other cells right the other cells would hypothetically be able to get energy from these ketone bodies right Some animal models suggest that intermittent fasting might inhibit cancer progression a little bit. The thing is that besides cancer cells, another really energy-hungry kind of cell is Uh, immune cells. Yeah. I mean, I remember in Osmosis Jones, Will Smith was just een, 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 because he needs energy to walk the beat. Yeah, it was Brad Pitt's character in Osmosis Jones was always eating food like he is in every movie that he's in. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it's too bad they cut it out of the original Osmosis Jones. <laughs> yeah. But it was his, the his whole character. It was really awkward because then, because he got famous in between the release of Osmosis mm. Jones and the filming of it, is that they put him on the commentary. Uh, so he's commentating on it and he's like barely in it. That is really awkward. Yeah. So another issue is that cancer patients that are on chemo normally have a really hard time keeping on weight in the first place. Yeah. Right? And eating without puking and all this. So fasting sounds like that might actually really, really be wrong direction for them to go. Right. Because they broadly need to be nutritious. Because otherwise they'll just happenstantially die. Right. From malnutrition. Yes. And that is a serious risk with cancer patients on chemo. And so realistically... It is very much up in the air whether or not intermittent fasting would be useful or not for human patients with cancer. It's almost irresponsible for us to even mention it. You think so? Well, I don't know. I mean, if it could also just kill you, then it's like kind of crazy, right? I don't think anyone should take... We already said at the top, if you're considering doing it and you have anything going on with you, you should talk to a doctor. And whenever I meet anyone who says, oh, I'm a cancer victim, should I listen to your pot? I'm like, no. You need to be healthy. (laughs) This pot is for unhealthy people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mentally but you still your mental health is important too to surviving cancer the mental oh, <laughs> damn it all right look intermittent fasting can also change on the heart disease side oh it shit. can change the size and efficiency of hdl which is the good cholesterol quote unquote right oh uh, and high density low cholesterol 
high density lipoprotein. Fuck. Um, but close. That was, so you, close. you got high density. That was solid. So close. And HDL levels may actually help with reducing inflammation and reducing heart disease if you have more of it. Now, now is this because of the specific tactic of intermittent fasting or is it just weight loss is good for your heart? Well, in a lot of these cases, the amount of weight that people are losing from the intermittent fasting, like the amount of time that we're looking at here, we're not talking about like 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds kind of thing. We're talking about like a few pounds. Sure. So they're losing less weight, but it has broader health effects. Right. Potentially. I, I, I think that it is probably true that there is also the added kind of correlated benefit of, yes, losing weight in general also helps with heart health. Right. That's true. But I think there's kind of a potential extra benefit in this, in that in kind of setting off all of this lipid metabolism, fatty acid, ketone body stuff, you're also changing the structure of your HDL, which is something that helps carry the cholesterol around your body. Like okay. They might be linked in some kind of way. And total cholesterol, triglyceride levels, these things are sometimes linked to heart health, and both of those lowered a lot in people that did alternate day fasting and the 5-2 intermittent fasting. Damn. And yeah, when you take a bunch of flies and you put them on that kind of diet, then they have healthier guts. So maybe, maybe people too. Okay. So intermittent fasting has all sorts of potential health benefits that are as right now unproven. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. But psychologically, it'll make you feel a lot better. The earlier parts where we were talking about like metabolism changes. Sure, and weight stuff shit like that. and metabolism. Yeah, those are real. Right. Those are real and uh, there's clinical data that shows that that can work out. Well, Sean, you're an intermittent faster. How does it make you feel? I feel fine, but I mean, to be honest, I skipped breakfast. Well, I don't fast. I feel great. So fuck <laughs> you guys. Just kidding, just kidding. Well, look, I will say that a big thing here is that, first of all, if you are sick with something, you need to talk to your doctor before you do this shit. Okay. You know sure. I mean? Sometimes people think of fasting as a different category as other health. And so they'll just do a fast or something, or they'll just right. do a new diet. Right. Whereas you should probably consult someone. Right. Or in fact, you just should. You should consult somebody. And as we said at the very, very, very top of this episode, but it bears repeating at this point, if you, you are... don't have health insurance, then, you know, fuck you. You don't get to really partake in any of these things. <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. You have to, or else you'll pay through the nose with the individual mandate. Oh, no. Is that gone now? Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about Jimmy Coconut, so I, I got distracted by my own brain. Oh, okay. If you have an eating disorder, intermittent fasting... It's bad. It is just... Uh, it's like enabling. It's an unfortunate thing that's coming up more and more often because it does sound like a really easy way to enable people with eating disorders. Right. And so I do think that that's something to be very cautious about, including in just talking about intermittent fasting. Right. Is being conscientious of people who are suffering from eating disorders. Yeah. But... I think for a lot of us, it could help to eat a little bit less. That's true. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to go and throw away all of its lessons. But, you know, I think it's <laughs> I think it's good that we discussed it and planted that seed of doubt in my mind that, about my body. Is that orange chicken over there right now? You have a triple I'm a not going to look. You're trying to make me look. I'm not going to look. My problem is that I always smell orange chicken. <laughs> Right? I don't know if it got in me physically or if it's like a mental problem. It's just burned into your mind. Yeah, I just, I always smell orange chicken. It makes it really hard to diet. <laughs> Regardless, guys, you're not lost like I am, perhaps. So consider doing this stuff. And remember, Sean is a doctor, so you can always Twitter oh him. Boy. You can tweet him. You can contact us through our Patreon page. Yeah. You can email Sean. You can definitely sign up for our Patreon page. You want to say the actual Patreon page? Let me say it. 
patreon.com slash petri dish you can tweet at us at dish podcast you can email us at petri dish pod at gmail.com we want to thank stacy song our sound lord and engineer and brian allen for the artwork and guys don't fast too hard <laughs> you got to stay alive for the next episode of petri dish that's true all right guys see you next time Just a little bit, 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 just a little